0: How's everybody doing this morning? It is so good to see everybody here this morning. So honored and blessed to be able to come and share with you. I normally have a piece of paper with notes on it, but that's just not how things worked out today. So um, nobody knows what that's like, right? No. Okay. I guess I'm the only one. Uh, um, let me just open this up here. Luckily, my computer is fairly new, so it's really fast, so that's good. Um, before we get into stuff, though, I want to I first get into Jeremiah 33, 3, and I want to kind of preface the whole message, the whole time that we have together today with this thought, and I want us to really turn it into a prayer Um, One of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today is I share some of my story. I'm going to be sharing with you my life verses that God has given me through my life. And this is one of the big, uh, the, the overarching verse over my life that God has given to me. And it says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things. That you have not known. So, Lord, right now we just come before you and we take your word in hand and we just lift up your word to us, Lord, and, and we bring it back to you and we say, Lord, we are calling to you today, Lord, that you would reveal to us today the things that are hidden, that you would reveal to us today the things that we have not known. Lord, show us your will. Show us your plan. Show us your way in our life, Lord. Because you have a desire for every single person here today. And it is my prayer, Lord, that everybody sitting in this congregation today would wake up to the purposes and plans that God has for them, Lord. Because that is the ultimate that we can live in our life. And so we just thank you, Lord. We just pray also today before we get into this message, Lord, for Pastor Mike. We just pray, Lord, that you just cover his body with healing right now in Jesus' name. That you just complete the work that you're doing in his body. We pray blessing over him and Christy for being faithful servants to this house. And Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. We pray for great honor in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So my story of freedom We'll get into a fair amount of things Unfortunately for some, I'm a pastor More than a pastor, I'm a preacher Sorry (laughs) If you were hoping just for a testimony without preaching, I'd, sorry Um, because I don't really do that Um so I'm going to be sharing my story, but I am also going to be sharing some of the word and some, uh, doing some preaching because I just can't tell a story without preaching. I don't know why that happens, but that's kind of how God made me. So um, my story is a story of freedom. And throughout my life, um, I can look back in my life and I can see benchmarks to freedom. I can see areas where God has, has interrupted my life. Anybody have God interrupt their life? Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's, it's always good, right? It's always good when God interrupts our lives. And sometimes we can have the tendency to say, God, I wish you would interrupt my life some more. Right, <laughs> Because I'm just not doing something right or it doesn't feel right. So I just wish you would just kind of break into my life a little bit more than what you have. Um, but God is faithful and he is intimately acquainted and involved in each of our lives. Um, as I look back in my story, you know, the questions arise. Well, do you see failures? Well, duh, um, yeah. But I also see I also see areas where I've experienced great freedom. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that you know the the failures are only the end of the story if it causes you to quit. Amen. Yeah, amen. Right. The story continues, right? That's right. Yeah. And and your story, your life is a journey of freedom. Did you know that? Your story, your whole life, everything that you do in your life is a journey of freedom. And your life is supposed to be the representation of the power and grace of God working in an individual to bring freedom. I have a tendency to get a little emotional, uh, more so when I'm tired and my kids didn't really sleep last night. So (laughs) I'm a little bit tired. So um, just bear with me. One of the things that I I want to share with each of you, because this may come as a revelation. You all good with revelation? Not like the book, right? (laughs) We can leave that for the scholars, but just revelation in general. You're good with some revelation, getting some deeper understanding about God and about how things work. Well, I'm hoping to kind of drop some revelation bombs today, and I'm not going to clean them up. I'm not going to explain them much. We'll let Pastor Mike do that so we got to make sure we give him some good work when he comes back No, um, he's watching I think right. so <laughs> anyway uh, before I get myself in trouble here uh, one of the revelations that I want to to drop on us first is that um, every single person here in this room I think it's important that you know and that you understand you are still on plan A. How many of you thought you'd been on like plan B or C? All right? Well, things didn't really work out the way that I planned. So now we got to go to a new plan. And then that didn't work out the way that I planned. So now we got to go to a new plan. But how many of you know that God only has one plan? Right? Because yes. right. God didn't make a mistake, Right? See, a lot of times, and this is what I share with the guys in prison, a lot of times we can get to this place where we say the things I've done in my life have removed me from the will of God in my life or from the initial call of God in my life. But that's just simply not a reality because God knew you were going to make the mistakes before you even made them. Right. And he still created you in spite of the mistakes you were going to make. He still created you in spite of the mess ups, in spite of the hardships, in spite of the times that you would fail for a purpose that took into account all of those failures. Whoa. Everybody here is on plan A. It doesn't matter if you've had a messed up marriage, right? Or it didn't work out so well, you got divorced. It doesn't matter if if you went to prison. It doesn't matter if you went to prison. It doesn't matter if, uh, you know, you got fired from a job. It doesn't matter if relationships didn't work out in your life. It doesn't matter if things didn't go so well with your kids and you're beating yourself up because you didn't raise your kids right. You are still on plan A. There is no plan B. And what that means is that God is still fully intent on using you for the purpose with which he created you, regardless of the past you've walked through. That's right. Okay. You ready to get in the message? (laughs) Get into the story. Um, So my first life verse, I, I memorized this when I was a little kid. I grew up in a uh, independent Baptist home. <laughs> no, not so much. Um, and my, my dad and, and my mom were very faithful in church. It was every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every Friday night for youth group, every Saturday to clean the church, every once a month Saturday to do church projects. And I mean, it was like we were always in the church. And so that's how I grew up, still into prison. Just Sorry. Just, no, that's not supposed to be the story, right? Well, our kids grow up in church. They shouldn't go to prison. Um, there's a little more to it than that. But the first verse that I ever learned, my dad had me memorize it when I was like, I think, six years old, somewhere around there. It was Romans 12, 1 which would eventually become Romans 12, 1 and 2. But verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed. Oh, that's not on there. No, they only have verse 1. Anyway, I got it memorized, right? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So... In my life, that hasn't always been the case. How many of you could say, like, in your whole life, oh, yeah, my whole life's been a living sacrifice to God? (laughs) No? All right, good. Well, we don't have any liars in here, so that's good. Um, Because I had to call you out on that. Anyway... um, yeah, it was a test. I do I do that sometimes. But if our life is a living sacrifice, what does that look like? So I've thought a lot about where my story begins. And I'm not going to take you all the way back to my birth and all the way back to there. I'm going to start you with the, the beginning of the story that brings me to where I'm at today. And the beginning of the story that brings me where I'm at today is in 1998. In 1998, I was arrested for theft and burglary. I was 18 years old I had been running around with a group of kids that had been teaching me how to steal and so we were stealing stuff shoplifting from stores and everything like that and I was pretty good I thought (laughs) famous last words right (laughs) I mean I so there were times that I walked out of Walmart with thousands of dollars of merchandise on me Um, times that I walked out of uh, gas stations with six packs of beer just tucked under my jacket. I just tucked it under my jacket, I walked out, didn't get caught. Um, but that wasn't good enough. And eventually the challenge had to grow, as most things do. And so I decided to start breaking into houses. Well, that didn't last very long before I got caught. Um, And it's actually a good thing I got caught because I had broken into the house of uh, somebody that I went to church with. The guy told my dad, would tell my dad later that it's a good thing your son got arrested when he did because I knew somebody was breaking into my house. And the next time it happened, I was going to sit on the hill across from my house with my gun and shoot the first person that walked out. So, so I'm sitting in jail as I turn 19, and I'm trying to wrap my head around everything. For a while, I thought everything was just kind of fun and games, um, until I went to court, and the judge, as I walked up, I was really excited at that moment because there was a lady in front of me who had the exact same charge theft and burglary and i'm like all right the judge is in a good mood because she he only gave her like a year probation and i'm like oh this is awesome Woo, this is going to be a good day and i walk up and the judge says six years doc <laughs> so you realize that like at 18 19 years old Six years is about a third of your lived experience. (laughs) And at 18 or 19 years old, I was 19, I had just turned 19. At 19 years old, the thought of six years in prison seemed like forever. How many of you have been in a situation, maybe you're going through a situation that seems like forever? Seems like it's never going to end. Like, when is this going to be over? One of the biggest uh, pieces of advice that I've ever heard in my life was, um, you know, somebody said, and it wasn't said to me directly, I heard it third person, um, but somebody said to another individual when they were going through a really hard situation for a long time, they said, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm in this situation and I'm going to be here forever. And, and the guy said to him, he said, you know what? He said, I, I've seen forever come and go. And that's a really big revelation, Right. Because in the midst of things that seem like forever, we don't see that there's an end. But how many times can we look back in our life and see an end to things we thought were going to last forever? Sometimes all we got to do is just remember some of the things we've been through and the fact that we've actually gotten to the other side of those and that this too will have another side. Right? This too will carry another side. I will get to the other side at some point. So forever is not always forever. Before I move on in my story, I do want to expound a little bit on this verse because I am a preacher, so here we go. Uh, Romans twelve one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Now, if you if you blocked out a lot of those words but still keeping them in line, one of the things that you would discover is that sacrifice is worship. Where does that come from? Well, that comes from Genesis with Abraham. One of the things in the Bible, how many of you are scholars? like to dig into the word, right? Theology, kind of geek out on it. I geek out on theology. I just like it. Uh, So one of the things you'll discover is this thing in hermeneutics, which is actually how you study the Bible, and in hermeneutics of how you study the Bible, there's a law, and, and the first law of Bible interpretation is the law of first mention. And so what that means is you go back, you find a word, you go back to the first time it's mentioned, you look at how it's used, you look at the context, you look at the definition, and that creates a core foundation for every time that word is used throughout the rest of Scripture. And so when we do that with the word worship, we go back to Genesis chapter 22, I believe. um, And in Genesis 22, I'm pretty sure... Uh, Abraham is taking Isaac up to the mountain. We remember that story? So Abraham is taking Isaac up to the mountain and he tells the people who have come with him, he said, you guys stay down here. The boy and I are going to go up to the mountain to worship and come back. Abraham knew what he was going to do. At that point, Abraham knew the purpose of going up on the mountain was to sacrifice his son. And so we could look at it, we could say, oh, Abraham just told a lie. No, Abraham didn't tell a lie. Abraham was saying that sacrifice to God is worship. And Paul carries the thought through here. He says, uh, sacrifice is worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. So let's take in a couple more words real quick. Living sacrifice is spiritual worship. How many of you know that in Luke, I believe it's uh, Jesus says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. How do we worship God in spirit? Living sacrifice. That's a spiritual worship. That's how we do it. You want to say, how do I worship God in my life? Be a living sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice. That's the answer. As I moved through prison, as I moved through my time in prison, I'll get into a little bit more details. I came to a place where I understood that God had given me a, 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 a reprieve. He didn't let me out early. I did five and a half years out of six years in prison. So he didn't let me out early. Not only did I do five and a half years out of six, see Colorado, where I was sentenced, they do something kind of fun (laughs) for criminals. (laughs) They have this thing called mandatory parole. And so what mandatory parole means is that they can max you out in the sentencing range for prison time and then tack on some parole time at the end of it. So that way they can max out your time with, prison instead of having to take into consideration parole and prison fun right so i ended up having three years mandatory parole tacked on to my six years in prison so nine years of my life was going to be dealing with the system i'm not mad at that okay just just so everybody knows i did the crime okay guilty as charged some could say well that's harsh well that's the law guilty as charged god had a plan though and in the midst of my prison sentence guess what i was still on plan a (laughs) there was no plan b for my life all of this has all been plan a Not sure I like the plan so much, God. (laughs) His answer would be, "Well, you made the choice, stupid." God and I talk like that to each other sometimes. It's okay. Don't 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 worry about it. So, at one point in my uh, time in prison, one of the things that happened. Let me back up a little bit. So, at the age of fourteen, I was at a Bible camp. and at the age of 14 I I would receive Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And right there in Bible Camp I would sit in the back pew of the of the sanctuary where we were having services and as soon as I was had walked through this amazing experience of salvation I sat in the back and you know the pastor was still praying over kids and stuff and uh, it was the pastor of my church and I sat in the back and I just, I kind of just was thinking and I just, I had the thought. I said, okay, God, I said, what do you want me to do now? And clear as a bell in my mind, it was like just, I mean, I didn't grow up saying, God, talk this way, right? But clear as day in my mind, I just heard, do what he's doing. And I'm like, be a pastor and preach? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay. Um, So I get back from camp, and I tell my pastor, I'm all excited. I tell my pastor, God's called me to preach. He's called me to be a pastor. What should I do? And he grabs my Bible, and he kind of flips through it like this. And he hands it back to me, and he says, read John. Then go back and read Matthew through Revelation. Then go back and read Genesis through Revelation. And if you have any questions, let me know. I'm like, dude, I'm 14 years old. I don't even like to read. And you just told me to read the whole Bible like three times. Obviously, I didn't like math either. but <laughs> So I just took the Bible and I put it on a shelf and I didn't look at it again. So there I am in prison. and And at this time now, I'm 20 years old. And... I had actually started reading the Bible. It's amazing what you can do in prison, right? You can read through the Bible in less than a year. Whoa. That's awesome. I read through the Bible like twice and I I sat back one day in my cell and I just I I, I pretty much came into that same posture and I just said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I told you when you were fourteen. Still on plan A, I guess. (laughs) So I said, well, God, if you want me to preach, if you want me to be a pastor, um, you're going to have to give me some time to practice. And I'm in prison. Not sure how that's going to work out. It was kind of like a, all right, okay. And God said, just start preparing. And so I took his word on it, and I just started preparing, and I just started writing line-by-line sermons. And I wrote and wrote and wrote, and it was like every day I was pumping out two or three sermons, just writing them all word-for-word, line-by-line, everything. And after two months, uh, the chaplain came to me, and he said, Rick, he said, "we, we have an opportunity at the prison. He said, um, we're, we're getting so many guys that are wanting to come to services, and our chapel's not big enough to accommodate all of them. So uh, I've talked with the head of the uh, prison here, and they're actually going to open up for us to have two services on Sunday morning instead of one service. And so what I want to do, though, is I want to have that first service be an inmate-led service where we actually have inmates preach, and we actually do all that. And then the second service, he said, I'll do the second service like a regular church service. He said, and this starts next week. Do you want to be the first one to preach? (laughs) Nah. Nah. Uh, so my first sermon that I gave was actually at 20 years old in front of 150 inmates. <laughs> and my head was down, and I... It was fire and brimstone. The old independent Baptist was coming out, and I'm just marching around. and I'm just... You know, and I'm angry. I don't know why I'm angry, but I was angry for some reason. And uh, at the end of the service, this guy named Smalls... One of the biggest black brothers I have ever seen in my life comes up to me, puts his heavy hand on my shoulder, and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) He said, brother, you can preach, but you got some work to do. (laughs) So, uh, thank God, that was uh, 23 years ago now Just turned forty three. So fast forward through. There we go. How's that? Not sure. Okay, we're back. one of the things that I realized, Romans chapter 6... And I'm going to read verses 5 through 11. It says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And I'm going to go ahead and read the next couple verses there. It says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to save. All right, now we're back in action. Where was I? We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all. For the the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know... If any of you can wrap your head around how hard it is for somebody who has not only had a sketchy past, but who has actually been convicted of that past, who has actually done time for that past, who has actually found themselves surrounded by others who have done that, who has actually been a stain on the community, I don't know if you understand how hard it is to get this wrapped around your brain. It's not easy. Yeah, okay, I can mentally assent to the fact that Jesus died. I can mentally assent to the fact that he died for my sins. Hallelujah, praise God. I hope someday I go to heaven. But that discounts the transformative power of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, because there's a transformative power of the cross, right? And the transformative power of the cross actually comes Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. I skipped a verse, but I'll go back to it, sorry. The free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, A lot of times we make the mistake of thinking that grace is the gift. That's not what it says. It says righteousness is the gift. I mean, just stop and think about it for a second. That's a big difference. That's a big difference to understand. Well, the gift of God is grace. Grace translated into modern speak I could do whatever I want and it's okay that's actually not a really good gift <laughs> how you got kids it's not a good gift <laughs> I'm just saying okay <laughs> what's a better gift What is the good gift? Righteousness. See, it's not just that Jesus died for my sin. It's that he actually gave the gift of righteousness. It's one, exactly, it's one thing to say the grace of God helps me out when I sin. But it's a whole other thing to say I actually have righteousness. Whoa, that's a life changer. That's a game changer. Because now instead of relying on this thing that could potentially just say, it's okay if you do everything wrong, now I actually have a gift that keeps me from doing wrong. (laughs) Woo! Because, how many of you know that there's a whole world system of people out there that don't care if you have a gift that says it's okay if you do something wrong? It's still not okay. I promise you, you will end up in prison. Don't. It's better if there was righteousness that gave you the ability to not sin. What is grace? We get a little mixed up on the definition of grace. What is grace? Grace is not the ability to just wipe the slate clean. Grace is the transformative power of God to change an individual, to empower them to live righteously. So now you have a double whammy. Supersize me, God. (laughs) Okay? I, you mean I got righteousness and then I got this other thing because the righteousness came through grace and grace is that other thing which actually empowers me to live out the righteousness that I've received? Amen. Whoa! Whoa! What is impossible? Nothing. Yep. At least that's what it says, right? How is that possible? <laughs> How is nothing impossible possible? <sighs> grace, righteousness. The gift of righteousness, right standing with God, right standing before the Father, and the empowering grace to live it out in your community, in your day-to-day life. This was a hard revelation to get wrapped around my or to get my head wrapped around but I had to. I had to come to that. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses fifteen through twenty-one. How much time do I got? Are we good? Are we good? Okay. All right. You guys liking this? Is this okay? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse. I put verse fifteen. It will start in fifteen. And he died for all. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> No, it doesn't matter if you don't think I deserve it. He died for all, right? Already done. doesn't matter what you say. It's already... That's a whole other sermon. Don't get me started. Um, I'm already started. Um, That they would no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once uh, regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. old let me just stop right there for a second. The old man has passed away, the new has come. OK, that was a second. let 's move on. Um, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Don't get hung up on the the religious spirit in this moment, okay? This is just the word of God. I'm just reading it. Um, Sorry, that came out of nowhere. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are you ready for a revelation bomb? Okay, being made sin, that he was made sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Uh, So when you look those two words made, uh, here it says become, um, but... In the Greek, so those are actually two different words. Okay, some translations say that, that, that it made him, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made, some translations use the same word made, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but the word made for making Jesus sin who knew no sin is a different word than the word made that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And they actually have two different definitions. Okay, the first definition is to repurpose something. It's basically taking something that exists and repurposing it. You make something out of something else. The second word made, and this is the best one because this applies to us. The second one made is that you make it from scratch, totally new, no pre-existing ingredients. Do you realize what Paul just told the church at Corinth? Jesus died for you so that you could be completely brand new, remade with no previous ingredients involved, 100% a new creation in Christ. Whoa, it really does all fit together. You really are a new creation in Christ, brand new. Brand new. There is a part of you that is brand new. That is not tagged to the failures of yesterday. That is not tagged to the problems of the past. It's not tagged to the scarlet thread running through your story. It's tagged to the scarlet thread of Jesus through the Bible. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 36. I'm almost done. What is the result? What is the result? What is the purpose? In my life, what is the purpose? You see, I spent six years in prison. Before I spent six years in prison, I spent... 18 years in childhood and some of those years were were life being lived as hell on earth i had good christian parents and they were good to me but not everybody was good to me I had to wrestle. I had to wrestle in my mind and in my heart. That as a young kid, I would have a knife held to my throat and threaten to be killed. As a young kid, I would have a gun held to my head. Loaded. Threatened that they would pull the trigger. I had to wrestle. Time in prison, locked up. I had to wrestle. With this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I had to wrestle with that because I didn't feel free. skip down to verse 36. "So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed." You want to throw up those pictures real quick for me. The guy on the left had to wrestle. to wrestle with the word before he ever could be the guy on the right. right. right the guy on the left didn't become the guy on the right the first time I read that verse the interesting thing about these photos is they're both prison IDs the first one is when I was sentenced to prison. The second one's when I went back as a volunteer. Amen. My last life verse. How did you do it, Rick? Joshua 1 9. Joshua 1 9 is how you do it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In every situation, it requires moving forward. You realize that. There comes a place where you have to move forward. You have to move forward doesn't matter if you're in prison it doesn't matter if you're in broken relationships it doesn't matter if you're in the midst of failure it doesn't matter if you just got fired from your job it doesn't matter what the situation is at some point you have to move forward and it takes a lot of boldness and a lot of courage to take the first step forward it's not easy but God said be strong and courageous do not be frightened do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go so you step out into that new relationship boldness and courage the last one didn't go so well I made a lot of failures, I made a lot of mistakes, I did a lot of stuff wrong. But I'm stepping into a new relationship with boldness and courage. For some of us, it's even just stepping into the relationship with our Lord and Savior. That can, take, that, that can require boldness and courage too. because some of us may feel like I've done too much I've blown it I've missed the mark welcome to life on earth nice to meet you, my name's Rick my name's Rick, I'm a recovering blown it alcoholic (laughs) or addict blown it so many times I started to get addicted to blowing it right it's what it feels like sometimes You end up in a lifestyle and a pattern where you just like self-destruct mode. How many of you need to know that in the midst of that, God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Though I make my bed in hell, there he is. Though I rise to the highest mountaintop, there He is. Always with you. Always there. And boldness is required for the next step. Boldness and courage is required for you to step out of yesterday into today in order to experience tomorrow. And maybe, just maybe, some of us will grasp. I'm still on plan A. How could it be? How could it be with all of my mistakes, with all of my failures, I'm really still on plan A? Wow. At 24 years old, I would get out of prison and I would start my parole. At 26 years old, because at 23, I got out, went back to prison after six months because I failed parole. And I failed parole, a lot of situations, couldn't make the payments, couldn't do a lot of the stuff they were requiring me to do. It was just things were spread out. It was extremely hard to do everything. My parole officer was overloaded with cases, and he pulled me into the office one day, and he said, you got two choices. He said, either I can revoke you or you can revoke you. He said, if you revoke you, I can't put a thing in your paperwork. He said, if I revoke you, I can make up as much as I want to. I said, well, I guess I only have one choice. I guess I'm going back to prison. So I went back to prison, Colorado, on the revocation. They have a six-month turnaround. You do 180 days in prison. You get kicked back out on parole. I got kicked back out. I did interstate compact to Michigan to live with my mom, my real mom, because my parents divorced when I was like six months old. Um... So I go to Michigan, I live with my real mom and got into my brothers who are all doing very well now, but we were bad for each other, let's just put it that way. And so after a couple years of uh, snorting more things up my nose than I can remember, uh, I had another God interruption in my life And he said, if you don't stop now, in two years, you're going to be dead. And it wasn't that death scared me. It was that what scared me is that along with saying that, God downloaded in my spirit a revelation that if I chose to not listen to him this time, that not only in two years would I be dead, but over that next two years, I wouldn't even cry out to him for help. That scared me that I could have walked so far away from God that I would not have cried out for help. Don't let yourself get to that point. Cry out to him. In the midst of the hardest circumstances, cry out to him for help. And So at that moment, I made a decision. I'm going to move to Wyoming because my dad's in Wyoming and my Dad still goes to the Independent Baptist Church, and my dad won't let me get away with anything. And I need to, right now, not be able to get away with anything. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to put yourself in the situation where you can't get away with anything. It's, actually, it's good. If that's what you need, it's good. It's really, really good. It doesn't last forever because you don't need it forever, but it's for a season to get your feet straight, to get your head on your shoulders, to get things figured out. So I came back, moved in with my dad. Very shortly after that, I met my beautiful wife. We got married. And then I had this crazy idea. I want to go back to prison. And so that started a process where I ended up moving down. Joy and I, we ended up moving down to Rollins in 2010. Uh, Shortly thereafter, I became the associate pastor of Harvest Time Ministries. I was the associate pastor for nine years. Three years ago, that transition was made. I'm now the senior pastor and president of Harvest Time Ministries. Um, And we've been going into the prison. What we do in prison is different than what a lot of prison ministers do. I'm not interested in just going and providing a church service. There's plenty of that. And there's good. it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. The guys need a church service, okay? It's good. But what I'm interested in is going in and actually starting a church. Because those guys and women in the facilities, they need their own church in-house. Because I don't care who you are. You cannot be an effective pastor if you only show up once a month. They need an in-house pastor that can pastor 24-7 because they're locked up 24-7. So they need another inmate who can be a pastor. And so I go in and we're working on the development of the church behind the walls. That's the title of my book, Building Church Behind the Walls. And there are no more copies, so you can get it on Amazon. Amazon. Um, little plug uh, but that's the purpose of our ministry and that's what we do because everybody needs to know no matter where you're at you have purpose that's right. no matter where you're at say well you know this is just a stage in my journey and after I get through this stage in my journey I'll get to the place where I have purpose no you have purpose now you have purpose now God has purpose for you now God has plan for you now not someday not when you get it all figured out please don't wait till then because some of us won't live long enough for you to get it figured out That's a joke. That's a joke. But it's true, so just. <sighs> he has purpose and plan for you right here, right now. Yeah, I was in prison 20 some years ago. 23. I saw a lot of horrible things the prison I was at was not a nice prison but is God greater I mean has he Listen, we can say yes and I'm not please hear me out I'm not knocking what everybody just said yes to thank you yes because he is haven't you seen in your life, haven't there been moments that you can tag a memory to where you can say in that moment, maybe I, don't, maybe I don't know for my whole life, maybe I don't know for everything that I've ever been through, but I can tag in my mind one moment where God was greater. And if he's ever been greater in one moment, that means he's always greater in every moment. God is greater, which means no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've done, there's purpose and there's plan. Sometimes it just takes boldness and courage to step out and to say, Okay, God. I'm not much. I have not much to work with. I ain't got much. But whatever you want. Okay. Because I'm choosing to live my life as a living sacrifice. In order to worship you. And may you get the honor and the glory. If you need to come forward today for prayer. I would ask you, please do. Let me pray over you. Let some of these prayer people pray over you today. Why not start today? Why not let today be that first step of boldness, that first step of courage to say, you know, I'm walking through a mess, but I really choose to believe that I'm still on plan A. And it feels like forever right now, <laughs> but I know it's not going to last forever. So God, if you'll, if you'll accept my life as a sacrifice, today I'll give it freely to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing a song.